This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. (laughs) As someone who grew up in the 60s and 70s, and attended Woodstock, college protests, volunteered as director of community counseling center, med evac at concerts and festivals and the like, David Corbin still maintains a strong commitment to social change. His venue at this stage of his life is the business community, and that's where he is focusing his energies to making positive change. David's books, Keynotes and trainings are all about systems that foster peace of mind and productivity through personal and professional growth and development. They offer models for identifying values and mission and give procedures and processes for bringing them to life, acting in congruence with them at all times. Valeria Telles interviews David Corbin, the author of The Illuminated Brand, building a culture that remains brand-centric, even under pressure. David M. Corbin is a two-time Wall Street Journal bestselling author who has been referred to as Robin Williams with an MBA because of his very practical, high-content speeches coupled with real-life, entertaining, and sometimes side-splitting stories and applications. He is known as the mentor to mentors, as he's trained and advised, mentored, and guided many luminaries in the fields of speaking, consulting, entrepreneurship, and big business. A former crisis intervention counselor with a background in healthcare, he has served as a management and leadership consultant to businesses and organizations of all sizes, from startup businesses all the way to Fortune 20 companies like AT&T, Domino's, Kaiser Permanente, American greeting cards, as well as cabinet members. Additionally, as an entrepreneur and inventor, David was awarded the Innovation of the Year by Bank of America and presented in association with former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, Tom Peters, Secretary of State James Baker, Maya Angelou, and others. He has been featured in Forbes magazine, Inc. Magazine, NBC, Fox, and was the host of the movie Pass It On. Last year, he had not one, but two of his books make the Wall Street Journal list, a testament to the importance of his teachings. Meet David at davidcorbin.com. Here's the interview with David Corbin.
in your own words, who is David Corbin? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I play the role of an author and a speaker and a consultant and a mentor and an inventor, but I'm neither of those things. I'm a spiritual being, primarily non-physical source energy, but I'm a spiritual being playing in those roles. And that's who I am. How did you come to that understanding? There was a moment in time when this was a, a journey, a process. Well, indeed, it's a journey, just uh, just as it is with you and, and, and so many others. I came into this plane knowing all of that. Uh, but of course, through human encrustation uh, and the veneers that we put up to try to cope and understand and all of the early childhood admonitions which go on, you know, you sort of forget that. So it's a matter of remembering. And I've had a number of magnificent experiences in life that helped me in the remembering process. And my second official question really is about success. What is success to you? How do you define what success is? Well, the classic definition is uh, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Uh, and yet, I don't, I don't think that that's complete enough. I believe that success is tapping into your vortex, your, your non-physical source energy that is perhaps the 80% of you. And in doing so, expanding, expanding your love, love of self, love of others, service to self and others. Uh, so I would say success is the actualization and stepping into your magnificence, your greatness, and the individual purpose that you came onto this planet for. What is to live our full potential? What is to walk the path of our purpose? What does it feel like? Could you describe that? Well, it feels like flow, and I know flow isn't necessarily a very clear descriptive term, but you know when you're in flow, when all of a sudden magic happens, coincidences, connections, uh, people, situation, and things which seem to pop up out of nowhere uh, in support of your path. Uh, and, <laughs> and so... You know, I, I, I firmly believe there's four parts of you and four parts of me, you know, our physical, our intellectual, our emotional, and our spiritual self. And I know that when we keep our intellectual, our emotional, and our physical satiated, then and only then can our spiritual self put her hands on our steering wheel and drive us in the direction of our path. That's an interesting, refreshing idea. A lot of times I hear quite the opposite beginning with the spiritual, and then we find fulfillment with all the other layers, mental, emotional, and physical. But it could be the other way around, right, David? I don't believe in rules when it comes to life itself. This is, to me, is the unknown. So I do have, yeah, a question for you about finding your own purpose, your own fulfillment in life. How did you discover that? Well, I'm not so sure I have extreme clarity on that because it moves. Uh, it moves a bit from here uh, and there. I, I do believe if you're so set on knowing what your purpose is, you may very well miss out on other opportunities 
that the divine has in, in store for you. It's like when you're laying on your back out in a field and there's two beautiful stars up there, when you stare at one star, you ever notice the other one disappears? And I think when we're staring at this vision that we have as to who we are and what our path is, we might miss out on all many of the gifts that are being offered us. And we're like, and the Buddhists used to say, jokingly, that they're waiting at the door for truth to come knocking and truth comes knocking and they go, go away, go away. I'm waiting for truth. <laughs> and, and so I never want to preclude for the opportunity of the divine to deliver me more passion, more purpose, more direction, more guidance, more expansion, because I'm so monofocused. And I see that from mm. time to time. There's something about focusing too hard, the connection between that and survival mechanism. So that makes sense. I love that answer. Leadership. What is true leadership from your perspective? I would have to say what initially comes to me is, A, there's no such thing as a leader unless there's a follower. So then the question becomes, what does it take for one to have others follow them? And what that takes is, as one of my dear friends says, uh, love is just damn good business. The key to leadership is love. I, I, I learned in a wonderful book that one of my dear friends wrote called Extreme Leaders, The Extreme Leader. It's about LEAP, L-E-A-P, love, energy, audacity, and proof. You, 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 you cultivate love, which you know, generates energy, and then inspires audacity, and then you provide proof. So I think it's a combination of those things. What is your understanding and idea of love, David? Well, they, love is, uh, you know, in computers, we, uh, we sometimes do what's called a peer-to-peer -peer networking uh, from computer to computer. I think love is a peer-to-peer -peer networking and connection between sentient beings, between you and me, between me and my cat. Uh, and so I think it is a magnificent tunnel of connection. According to heart math, we could measure the, 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 the output from our heart. I believe it's a peer-to-peer -peer networking, heart-to-heart, head-to-head, soul-to-soul. That, uh, that to me is, is love. Mm, connection. Could I use that mm, word? Absolutely. How do you define freedom? What is to be free? Wow, that that word is just so enormous. It's 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 hard to capture because in doing so, you're you're confining it, <laughs> and yeah, it's no so longer free. <laughs> so now so freedom is no longer free. <laughs> yeah. um, I, let me just say that there are many types of freedom, and maybe in that it will help to define it: freedom from fear. Freedom from want, freedom from harm, freedom from, you see? And so, you know, freedom is a word like integrity. It's just so pious. It's hard to capture and really bring down. So I will say freedom from will, will, will I think, help to, I know it's, you're not supposed to define a word with a word, but I, I don't have anything better than that for you. When you say freedom from fear, that really resonates. And what is the antidote to fear, David? Ah, love. 
love, love and connection, knowing, knowing full well that the three big, fat, smelly lies that we often carry into this plane are not true. The first lie is that we're separate from source. The next big lie is, well, we're just not good enough. And the next big lie is that we are in total control of our destiny. And those are lies, 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 lies. So when you get away from those lies and you step into the divinity, the Shivaya, the God within, that, that's love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's love, freedom and everything else together. I love your wisdom. I keep saying that. It comes to me. Thank you so much for expressing that. What do you love most about being in a human body? Oh, what a wonderful question. This body temple is a gift. It is a gift from the divine, and I treat it as such. I know this. If I gave you a, a gift uh, and you didn't open it, if I came to your house and, and I saw, oh my goodness, there's a gift. It's, it's not opened. The, the, the ribbon is still on it. I would be very upset. Well, if the, if the divine gives me a gift of the body temple and I don't take care of it, I don't open it, I don't, I don't, I don't nurture it and all, ah, that's crazy. That's just crazy. And so uh, I love my body. I marvel at it. I just came off of about 15 days of, of multi-trips to the east. East Coast and flying in planes and book signings and speeches and my my uh, immune system went down and a virus uh, came upon me. So yesterday I went and nurtured it with a bag of vitamin C and glutathione. Today I went with glutathione and an injection. Of, so I believe in honoring the body temple because if I buy milk and it expires before the expiration date, I'd be really upset. And how does the good Lord feel? How does the divine feel when we expire before our expiration date. So I, I take very, very good care of this gift. What is true power to you? I, I, yes, I think it does go back to uh, flow. Uh, I think it, it, it is flow. Uh, the license plate on this you know, Jaguar that I'm sitting in right now says power. <laughs> um, and it's, it, it is flow. So we have unlimited power. We know that. We have unlimited power when we get rid of the veneer, when we stand with our feet in the lettuce and our head to God, we have enormous, enormous power. So power is being in flow, acknowledging, accepting, and embracing the downstream flow of energy that the divine has for us. I love that word too. And you mentioned earlier about it's uh, really... It's almost an abstract idea, concept, the flow. But to me, it feels, the way I can tell that I'm in flow is relaxation. When the mind and the body, they are relaxed, doesn't matter what I'm doing or engaging with, then I know that's flow. Would that resonate, David, relaxation of body, mind? It does. In fact, I was just uh, the other day with Dr. Joe Dispenza. He was sharing some research that he'd been doing. And he had two neuroscientists at this conference that we put on. And, and yeah, in that regard, that meditation puts you in a state of connection such that all dis-ease becomes ease. Yeah. So you wrote the book, The Illuminated Brand, Building a Culture That Remains Brand-Centric Even Under Pressure. 
Talk to me about how you became a writer and why you became a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing this book? Well, thank you. The, the, the intention is always to share good ideas, which I believe could support and fortify other beings. Otherwise, I wouldn't write a book. And the concepts that I've been doing in the consulting and speaking and mentoring for the last 41 years, the ideas that work, I want to propagate. And much like if it were my last lecture, you know, uh, if it were the last lecture I ever do, I want to make sure that I drop it down and that you're picking it up. So there are concepts that I've used that have blessed so many and blessed myself in the process. And so I write, that's why I write books about them to, to propagate. And uh, I'll be going to Ireland, Northern Ireland to do a TED talk. And I'm hoping that that message will go worldwide because I believe in these messages. So how did you become interested in entrepreneurship and in invention, creativity and doing what you do? Well, you know, it started as a child. Um, I, I I needed to have uh, money for uh, holiday gifts. And so, you know, I shoveled snow and I mowed lawns uh, in different seasons. And I bought six packs of cheap uh, soda and broke them up and put them in a garbage pail with ice cubes and sold them at uh, Little League games. And so I've sort of been an entrepreneur since I was a child and I got reinforced uh, and did more and more of it. And um, I then came to learn that, you know what, it's the entrepreneur that has built this great nation and will continue to. And right now I have a, I have a belief system that this great nation, the United States, is, is, is sick. Um, I, I hate to say it, and I'm not a naysayer, but I think it's showing characteristics of sick. And I think the entrepreneur, which is why I travel around the world, uh, I was in Cali, Colombia. I was in Mexico and, and Bulgaria teaching entrepreneurship because I believe the entrepreneur is going to take these great nations back. That's an interesting vision for the future entrepreneurship. It has a lot to do. I mean, it it comes to me as uh, knowing who we are and feeling confident within. Like as you speak about the way you became interested in doing what you do, that came to me. Of course, we are always being influenced by the environment and being motivated to do what we do. But there's something about this force within that can shine, it can go places in a very beautiful way. I love the title of your books, uh, Illumination, Illuminated. How did you come with that idea? What was the inspiration for that specific word to be part of the titles of your books? Well, it's funny. It was sort of through the law of contrast. My my baby girl uh, and I were watching uh, on a VHS <laughs> tape back then a dancing bear singing, you've got to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. And I realized that my most successful clients were not those who eliminated the negative, but rather who had the courage to illuminate the negative and shine the light on the elephant in the room and not sweep it uh, under the rug. And that's sort of the etymology of that book. Now, I must say that it actually started when I was a little party in 1969 called Woodstock with about a half million other kids. And uh, a guy said to me backstage, 
man, like you're either green and growing or ripe and rotting, but you're never standing still. And I was 17 and I was like, what? But getting better all the time, expanding all the time, which is the essence of Six Sigma today and total quality management, and then having the courage to face the shadow, face the area that, well, gosh, I'm not so good at this, and yet my business talks to me and says that needs to be done, or I'm not so good at parenting in this area, yet I know I need to expand upon that. And then you close the gaps between where you are and where you want to be by illuminating the negative, not eliminating it. What is your suggestion not to control? I don't believe in controlling anything. What are some of the strategies we can use to, let's say, overcome this natural desire to push away? negativity. Yes. And, and I like what you say. It's not about control. It's about confronting. And so what I teach is, and I learned this from one of my mentors, James Baldwin, and he said, we can't solve everything we face, but we can't solve anything unless we face it. And I take it further and I say, face it, follow it and fix it. You know, what are we not facing in life? Well, let's follow that. What's, what's, where's that coming from? What's causing that? What's keeping it alive? Well, what happens if I follow it out into the future, unmitigated? And then I work to fix it, which is to minimize its power or to eliminate its power, face it, follow it and fix it. And that's the illuminate model as in my book, Illuminate, Harnessing the Positive Power of Negative Thinking. The last phase, fix it, as you call it. Would you say that understanding is part of it? What are the steps when it comes to fixing something that's there, unwanted? Well, there's, there's, there's quite a few, um, and I, I can't go into all of them, but I will tell you, I developed something called meditation. Meditation, it's a combination of meditation and concentration. You see, in meditation, we're taught, well, when a thought comes to mind, have it move out of your system like a cloud across the sky. And I say, no, no, no. In meditation, you write down the issue, the problem, the conundrum, the challenge, whatever, on top of a piece of paper. And then you keep a pen in your hand on that piece of paper. You close your eyes, put yourself in a deep meditative state for about 22 minutes, and dwell upon the question atop the page and allow for the divine to work through you, as you, with you, through your hand, and without opening your eyes, write down what comes through. That's just one of so many techniques I teach in my mentoring. That sounds very spiritual, David. Is that something that you integrate and even talk about in your books, the integration? Absolutely. Uh, The spirit, uh, I don't believe in spirituality. I believe we are spirituality. So it's not a distinction you see, it's the, the Sanskrit says, so ham hamsa, I am that, that I am. We, we, are, we are one. Mm. I don't have a life, I am life, right? Ah, I love that. There you are. Beautiful. Well said. So true. Yeah, that has been actually said by non-duality teachers. It's interesting. We say things to remind ourselves, but this has been out there, that wisdom, right? That we are the message, that we are... Life itself, there's nothing hidden, really. It's very obvious and very simple. 
in a way. You remind me, for some reason, it comes to me, like when I hear, um, I'm listening to you, is Randas really, mm. for some reason. Do, do you know who he is? Oh, what, what a lovely, lovely compliment. Oh, I've heard him speak live many, many times. I, 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 was, at, I was in Princeton uh, and then SUNY Buffalo, and I've heard him as Richard Alpert, and I heard him as Ram Das a number of times. Yeah, yeah, you remind me of him. Oh, what a! All I could say is, I love, 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 love you. That's the greatest compliment I've heard today. <laughs> yeah, he was, um, yeah, incredibly beautiful piece of life, <laughs> messenger. <laughs> Another point, let me see, that caught my attention in your work is um, a few words that you mentioned, courage, integrity, and doing what's right. When it comes to doing what is right, how do we know? Is there something that we should use our intuition? Yeah, how do we know we are doing the right thing? It feels right sometimes, but is it right for others and for our life as a whole? Well, I, I think you hit the hit it, hit it right right on, which is intuition. Uh, I trust in female intuition uh, greater than male intuition, and I know that sounds a little sexist, but I will say that most men that I know, we have to work back. Uh, testosterone is a form of poisoning, where there's aggression and control, and where don't get me wrong, I love masculine energy; it's magnificent. Um, but unfortunately, most men don't step into it and know what masculine energy is and unfortunately when until one uh, either reads the work of Alison Armstrong or others they don't get it so um, I believe it is staying in intuition going deep within going behind the sternum to the heart going behind the belly button to the gut to the soul um, and then you know how do you know you know because you know and uh, and that's that's that. Yeah. Let me see. I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before I ask you these questions, would you like to add anything or read a passage in one of your books? The no, I, I think the, the messages that are important to me, you magnificently ask questions to expose to expose for that. I, I believe that. Uh, love is just damn good business. Love is all there is, as our Beatles say. And when we connect into our love of self, because we can't give away what we don't have, when we connect into the love of self, we will then be careful what we put in our body, how we treat our body, and then we will honor the covenant we have, not the grip, the covenant we have with other magnificent sentient beings. So love is a, a, a very groovy thing, and I'm, I'm loving my big life. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, I love to hear that. Yeah, self-love is something that I write about and talk about a lot. Unconditional self-love, going a, a bit deeper. So uh, my final questions to you, what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? Well, there's quite a few of them. Perhaps the work that I had done. So when I was a psychotherapist, I learned a lot of different modalities. But about 10 years ago, I went to the Hoffman Institute in, uh, in St. Helena to identify patterns in my life and then to bash them. 
to source them, to forgive them, and to replace them. So I would say understanding the patterns in my life, which are complete garbage, complete BS, complete constructs, which have sort of gotten in the way of my path. It was difficult work. Oh my God, it was such tough work, but it was so well worth it. So true. That's, yeah, I call it the healing work. Do you find one method, healing method, more effective than others? Did you f- discover that by doing the work? Well, remember, in the quadrinity of the, the physical and the emotional and the intellectual and the spiritual, there's different work in different areas. Uh, and so on the physical work, my goodness, going to a naturopath, uh, a board-certified clinical nutritionist, knowing what food my body wants and doesn't work was magnificent. Intellectual and emotional, going to the Hoffman Institute, etc. So, and then of course the spiritual, uh, having been around ashram and been around magnificent goddesses in my life, girlfriends at the time, and now my beloved bride. Wow, um, I'm just a lucky, blessed guy. <laughs> <laughs> I very much sound. Do you sound like it? <laughs> and. Um, Uh, My other final questions. What is another word for life? Flow. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing or leaving the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? I might make sure that there's plenty of food in the chicken coop because uh, I wouldn't want to make. I want to make sure that the uh, my wife continues to get those magnificent eggs. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. there really there isn't there isn't a thing. I don't think there's a thing I would change, love. Mm, yeah, what a beautiful answer every time I hear. And my last question is: What are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? The divine which is the infinite wisdom that is the, the source of all, the divine and our connection to it, the idea of self-awareness, self-love, connection with others, I would say that would be number two. And I guess number three would be always asking and expanding. Mm, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, David, for your presence, the wisdom that flows through you, this universal, natural wisdom, the work you do, how you do it, and everything else in between that could be felt today. Thank you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? You know, David, davidcorbin.com. And anywhere you Google my name, David or David M. Corbin, you'll You'll see some cool stuff on YouTube and the website. My invention is at rejuvenationstations.com. That's an incredible thing that's going on now. Rejuvenationstations, plural, .com. It is a manifestation of entrepreneurship, spirituality, Mm. and service. Mm, Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again. Bye for now, David. Blessing. Thank you for listening. To learn more about David Corbin and his work, please visit davidcorbin.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.